Hello and welcome to the Missing Links podcast, a mini-series about zero trust. I'm Beck Nay, I'm the head of marketing here at The Missing Link, and this week we're talking about why starting with identity is essential when it comes to integrating a zero trust strategy. Joining me this week to share his insights is Lee Dotty. He's the Senior Principal Engineer at Okta, a global access management company focusing on how to best secure identity for cloud services. Hi, Lee. Hey, Beck. Thanks for having me. Great to be here. So for those of you who don't know, Okta Identity Cloud gives organizations one trusted platform to secure every identity, including internal workforces and customers. Okta's mission is to be the platform that enables organizations to use any technology anywhere at any given time. Lee, in a recent customer survey conducted by Okta, it shows that organizations have started adopting zero trust strategy as a strategy in ANZ. Why do you think it's important for organizations to adopt a modern approach to security such as zero trust? Well, that's an excellent question, Beck. I think if nothing else would have said it, COVID would have made me say that this is an example of why modern is needed. And there's a couple of reasons for that. The first one is, Everyone was told to be running home and get out of their buildings and go start up at a place where the organisations had never had to conduct work from before. Now, if you weren't adopting a modern strategy of some kind, these are the people who would be seriously struggling to understand the ramifications of taking somebody and uprooting their access to information, which is typically contained inside a building, and then pushing it out into a place where there are other people who can see the screen and other activities that might be getting done on the same machine that they're conducting their work from. So a modern strategy, which involves a lot of cloud and mobile, which is one of the reasons you should have done this in the first place, means that you can take what you're doing and do it from anywhere. And if you haven't done this, then you would have been one of the people who are calling maybe any one of us in vendor land at the moment saying, how do I get somewhere out of my building because I wasn't able to do it? I couldn't do it quickly enough or I'm using an old way to do this thing. That's kind of why modern must be something on everybody's radar now. What am I doing that's not modern? Can I connect to things outside of the building? Are they cloud apps? Do I have to contact them via a mobile app? Am I bringing my own device? Am I've got a managed device? Every one of these things needs to be operated from where that person is, which kind of comes back down to why Okta cares about modern versus old. And this is where identity has the major play. The major play is you need an identity for everything you do and everything you connect to and everything you come from, which is kind of why it's the core themes of a modern and zero trust strategy. So I think in essence, Beck, there's a reason why everybody just discovered why they need to modernize. COVID brought this on quickly, but before that, when people were still in their buildings surrounded by the same stuff they've always done, they realised that they just couldn't move fast enough. And so, Lee, currently one of the challenges that we're seeing for our organisations is that they have an active directory on-premise, no cloud integration and passwords everywhere. How would they go about addressing these challenges? Yeah, this is amazing. It is still here. So one of the things is people feel that they're tied to an active directory that they've had for a long time. I kind of grew up in this world. I've been in security now for 21 years, and I was building Microsoft identity stacks in the places that I worked before there was an AD, and these things still exist today. I guess what people need to understand is, do they really need to have their AD? Do they really need to be bound to it? 
is it something which actually binds them if they do want to keep it? The answer to that is actually no. And I think also that leads on to the fact, well, if you feel that you're bound to an AD, it also binds you to passwords. Do you really need it? Well, no, you don't. Because adopting passwordless change and contextual access, whilst those identities may still be an AD, why not make them agnostic, put them somewhere where they're far more usable, that will connect to cloud services, both SaaS-based and on-prem, and use all of the modern features to achieve something passwordless so all that old world can kind of be quiesced. You may not be able to get rid of it because it's easy to say but harder to do in practice. You can take the opportunity to maybe unbind yourself from an AD if you've gotten so many SaaS and less on-prem. It's a great opportunity to see whether you do need to still maintain this because it's not an agnostic ID. It's an ID that is bound to basically being inside of the building. If you can achieve something like passwordless rather than still have passwords everywhere, and we're going to talk about this soon under a maturity model, then do this because it raises your security posture and do this because it actually means that you can have a lot less cost in maintaining passwords overall. Now for on-prem, there's no reason now why those things should be existing outside of what your strategy needs to be. And if we kind of refer back to the first question, well, I need Beck to operate anywhere at any time then we need to make sure that the on-prem stuff comes with us. This can't just be a world that always involves SaaS. I speak to lots of people in um, healthcare, manufacturing, retail. These are a lot of businesses or even universities, for example, that still have things that must exist on site and can't easily be brought outside of the building. And so with their old methods and their legacy models, we should still have to connect to them and bring them those kicking and screaming into the modern world. And we can do this readily today. We don't want people thinking that it's just not possible. So the opportunity is there, I think, if those are the things which bother you, to have a look at the way that you can actually now open this up and modernise and adopt zero trust at the same time, because it actually happens to be a byproduct of doing this right. Thanks, Lee. I, for one, would be happy to not have to remember a password, that's for sure. Now, Lee, last year, Forrester recognised Okta as a leader in zero trust security. What do you think makes Okta a leader in this space? Hmm. Yeah, this is kind of where it's hard not to toot our own trumpet. But I guess the reality is we weren't the ones who came out and said, you know what, identity needs to be a cornerstone of, of zero trust. Forrester, the people who invented this, they said that. And it goes hand in hand also, by the way, of having digital signals as one of the cornerstones that come from devices. So you need to have identity because of what I said before. It's got to be agnostic. If you're gonna to claim to be going towards a zero trust strategy, then you need to be able to operate from anywhere at any time on any device and make that count. So inside the building, outside of the building, it doesn't matter. And so Okta was well positioned here simply because we were already the leaders in the marketplace as judged by anybody who measures identity vendors that it's obvious that if you need to be operating in an agnostic fashion, you go to an agnostic person in which to do it. Our job, which you kind of said in the intro that you brought on, Beck, was is to connect everybody to everything. And so given that if you want to see, have a look at your organisation and say, well, okay, what things do we have? What applications, what network bits and pieces, what apps do we have both on-prem and in the cloud? In order to get a proper security model around that, those things are all going to ask, who is it? Where are you coming from? What do you need to access? Have you got the right access? Should you have more access? 
So the basis is going to be who. Now, Forrester also did point out that that digital device signals from security is equally important here. And so what we want to make sure is that if you're going to go down the path of doing this right, then you've got to take identity and take the signals that they're coming from, from the workstations or the devices that they're operating in, and bring that stuff together. Because then, no matter where you are, you can actually put that into the right context and deliver that to the right application so that the application can say, well, I'm not that comfortable with you being here, and leave those choices to be available nowhere to where you're coming from. That's really important stuff because it kind of gives you um, such fluidity that you may never have understood or appreciated before. And so Okta was well set up for this specifically because we are the who on behalf of everything. And it sounds like zero trust isn't solved with just one vendor, even if it is Okta. Lee, can you tell us how valuable some of the partnerships are to organisations to make this work properly? Yes. And I think this is going to be a really critical part here. Nobody, including Okta, should claim that we are the zero trust strategy you should adopt. We are part of this. And I think you'll find maybe that um, Aaron in the first podcast that you did and others coming will all say the same thing, that it's important to say that there are discrete pieces that need to be solved. Now, you could go to one monolithic vendor and try to do this. You could go to some monolithic vendor who says, I can do all of those things. That's kind of like asking a builder to be the very best at plumbing or the very best at building furniture. They're a jack of all trades and a master of none. So what the marketplace needs, and we're seeing this more and more, is partnerships between the zero trust vendors themselves. It's one thing for for Okta to say, you know what, we're part of the strategy and then not have any partnerships with all the rest of those vendors who matter. And the vendors who matter are those people who have a critical role to play in zero trust. For example, when Forrester says that digital device signals are crucial, along with identity, then why not look at someone like CrowdStrike? Because CrowdStrike are the people who have at the end point, they understand what you're doing, where you're doing it from, uh, the things that you're clicking on, the compromises of the machine, and a lot of R&D that goes into that. Why not form a partnership with them? At the same time, one of the most popular things to talk about in the whole world of account takeover is email spoofing, uh, email takeover, account takeover, clicking on emails that send you to places you should never go. Well, in this case, a crucial part of your zero trust strategy should be who is clicking on what? Where do they get it? Did it come from emails, for example, which a lot of this stuff does? And then understanding that a company like Proofpoint, they have a valid role to play, not only in what they're very good at, which is delivering that very attacked person list that we can do something with because we're the people who hold the keys for identity, that we want these, and as customers would want and expect that these vendors talk together, that when Proofpoint finds something that's relevant to identity, it tells the identity layer and the identity layer takes the actions that it can. It's the same with CrowdStrike. When CrowdStrike finds something which says that this machine is no longer a valid machine to execute privileged credentials on, why not tell the identity layer so it simply won't allow it with a device trust context from that machine? And so those partnerships can also be extended between each of us, not just to Okta, but say someone like Netscope. And Netscope, of course, are the people who allow that access to the final mile of data. What's somebody's relationship to the thing that they're trying to access? Are they an employee? Let's ask Okta. Yes. Are they coming from a machine that is considered washed and clean? CrowdStrike, let me know. Yes, they are. Are they accessing this data via a link delivered through email? And proof point, is that email 
uh, link safe to click on? Is it going where it's supposed to go? And of course, Netscope can be the one there saying to all of us, this is a valid SaaS application. We've kept an eye on it. We've quantified it. It's got the right policies in place. It is a sanctioned place to be. Please go ahead and do it. If something changes, I will let each of you know. And I think that's the better together approach that we could achieve with not only that as an as example group of people, but we might also then extend this to anyone else in this field. If they've got something to tell Okta for identity, for example, if this was Zscaler who needed to tell us something to help them change some permissions on people who are accessing other things that they are controlling, fantastic. It could be Workspace ONE. They've got things we'd want to know as well. Their device knows whether it's the right place and the right thing to come in on so that you can access things. They can tell Okta that it, everything's okay. So this better together partnership, the expectation should be from customers, don't just talk to me, talk to each other. Whatever you're good at, give it to each other so that you can actually increase my posture and be better for everyone. Nice. It sounds like a powerful integration there. And I love the plumbing analogy, Lee. Is there anything else you'd like to add? Yeah, sure. Let me finish off and just talk about zero trust maturity for a moment. If you don't know where you are on the curve and you don't even know that there is a curve, then have a look at our zero trust assessment on Okta.com. It takes you through a series of definitive questions, which kind of gives you an idea at the end where you sit in relation to four stages of maturity in relation to identity and zero trust. And those stages are stage zero, effectively you're a fragmented identity place. You still have everything on an on-prem active directory. You don't have cloud integration to apps, even though you have cloud apps, and you do have passwords everywhere, which you alluded to before, Beck. Now, if you want to move on to stage one, this looks a bit better for you. This is where you've gone through the process of unifying some identity and access. And that is single sign-on. You're starting to employ that across your employees, contractors, and partners. You are employing a modern multi-factor authentication. There are lots of different kinds, but you want to go for something that is modern and powerful and usable. And also an attempt at unifying policies across apps and servers. You don't want to be in a position where you're defining policies everywhere on every piece of technology. The idea here is at stage one that you deploy a policy that's applicable to many things you save a lot of time and effort. Moving up to stage two is where we get to talk about contextual access. And this is really more the zero trust pitting um, you against an agnostic ID. You want to have a context-based policy. Context-based policy is taking Lee, where he is, the device he's on, the geography, the network, the ISP, anonymizing networks, looking at the trust of the device and looking at behavior and arranging all of that invisibly to come up with a response to say that that looks like him, it's the places he typically comes from, the devices he's typically on, and he's looked like that for the last 20 different authentications. We guess that's him. So let's put him through and maybe we'll use that to not ask for MFA. You also want to be able to, if you're doing MFA, is having multiple factors deployed across different user groups. Not everyone needs the same kind of MFA. Some people may just want to use MFA for being passwordless. Others may need it to access really sensitive things. So make sure that the right level of MFA is commensurate with the right person, their role, or the resource that they're accessing. And start looking at the securing of access to APIs. Some of the biggest attacks that have been going on in the last couple of years are API-driven, not always through the web interface. So you need to be able to bring identity down to the API level to complete that circle. And if you haven't done it already, 
Start looking at the deprovisioning of your levers. Identity management's been around for a long time. People like to get people active fast. The flip side of that is you need to get them out of the systems just as fast. So put some focus on it. Now, in the end, a stage three maturity model person is possesses a, an adaptive workforce. This is where you're using a risk-based policy, which means you're looking at assessment signals from a lot of different sources alongside of context-based access. You're doing continuous and adaptive authentication and authorization. Don't just test somebody at the front door, test them again and again on the way through the whole journey to make sure it is still them and what they said at the front door. And finally, make it frictionless because if you don't make this easy, then no one wants to come and say hello. Thanks for joining us today, Lee. And for our listeners, if you'd like more information, you can visit our podcast page at themissinglink.com.au or via the show notes below. Tune in for next week's episode discussing the Zero Trust Framework with Paul Friend and Jason Bruce.